And welcome back to another episode of Blossom Down. We are your hosts. I am Steve. He is Wally. David is on vacation in Florida, and he will be back for our next episode. But before I toss it to Walter, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by TabEase.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market. T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure to use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order, as well as free shipping. I wasn't here on Thursday, Wally. Really wish I wasn't here today because my bets were horrible, but we'll get to that in the following episode. How was your weekend? Oh, it went pretty good. I, I had a blast watching a World Cup as it always gets really intense when you get to the, the round of 16. I know your buddy Adam Alfonso, Argentine, or I, Argentine. I want to keep doing that because Argentinian. I, see, that's what I thought it was. But I thought that, like, I started hearing people on like the broadcast say Argentines or something. And it, okay, that could put be it. my head in a pretzel because Argentinian just sounds right to me. Like that's the way it should be. Not, Argentine doesn't really sound that far off either. Adam, when you hear this, please shoot either me and Wally a message that kind of clear the air on this, bud. Yeah, because I've been struggling for like a week and a half where every time I'm like, oh yeah, he's a big Argentinian. Argentine? I, I don't know. But either way, it's amazing. It's really unique this year to have it during football season two because we really don't have a breath. It's just one sport after another and now we get into bowl season and i'm a diehard college fan so it's awesome this is really the best month of the year i just wish i was like david right now and in florida in beautiful sunny weather to enjoy it not the 45 degree cloudy days over and over and over again how are you doing steven the sun is overrated but the no the world cup has been phenomenal Sorry for the Lukashensky household that had to witness the 3-1 defeat to France here just, just yesterday. But you know what? Lewandowski got another World Cup goal. Hopefully this is not his last one. He can squeeze one more out there with his age. Because if you think the next World Cup's only three and a half years away as opposed to, as opposed to the full four. So that's awesome. I don't know. Maybe, maybe some people can kind of sneak in their fifth or sixth or fourth World Cup here. Maybe we'll see Ronaldo and Messi. First off, what about Messi coming to the MLS? That is going to be huge for that product, and God knows we need it based on the talent level that we have here. And Ronaldo getting paid in blood money, signing a two-and-a-half-year deal in Saudi Arabia worth like 200 mil a year. This is wild, and I can't wait for him to come to the MLS next. He's smart, at least money-wise. He's a guy that already kind of had this murky reputation with – I think the MLS problem, it just hit me. I don't know if he's allowed to come into the United States. I think he has some kind of sexual assault case out there that's still pending. Bullshit. Women sexually assault him. I can't see That dude is too gorgeous. How does he have a problem with having to take matters into his own sexual assault hands? I don't get that. But I, I don't either at all. I mean, look at the stuff we have going on in the NFL in this yep. week and we'll get into all that i'm sure <laughs> there's no nfl news here except for baker mayfield gets cut and waived by the carolina panthers today do you think that he will be picked up by the 49ers by the time this podcast is out or after god i don't know but they're at like 25 in the waiver rankings and he only is going to be owed like one and a half million dollars the rest of the year so it's a pretty low risk high reward if you're a team that's just trying to figure out who you are. So the 49ers, if they can have him fall that far, absolutely sit him behind Brock Purdy, let him figure out the playbook. And then you can figure out 
what you're doing going into the postseason. But I don't know. I, I'm really exhausted talking about Baker Mayfield at this point. Every time I feel like we talk about it, I'm on the wrong side. So he'll be signed by Seattle to like back up Gino at this rate tomorrow because I think he'll go to San Francisco. Well, third string to back up uh, the backup Drew Luck, who's already the backup. Uh, Houston Texans great point, have the great number point. one. Houston Texans have the number one waiver waiver wire pick right now, so maybe they snag him. And I saw a really funny and interesting tweet that the Rams are obviously they're having a horrific year uh, based off what after their Super Bowl run. They're going to have a pretty high waiver wire pick. Maybe they want to snag him just so San Francisco doesn't snag him at 25 and Sean McVay really is getting that petty. Well, I'm just trying to think, too. You don't have a first-round pick to worry about. So do you bring in a guy like that and just at least try to make it entertaining? Because I can't do the – I can't even remember. Who is it out there? Who was it that played yesterday? I'm spacing on – the. was it Bryce Perkins or am I – Making that up. So it was John. It was a mixture of both. John Wolford, wherever the John Wolford, name is, that's he was right. in there. Went to the medical tent, I think, and then Bryce Perkins came out. Then I think John Wolford ended the game for him. Because I was back, I kept looking. I was like, "Oh, there he is, right there, halfway through the thirties, throwing the ball." And then I swear I'd look and like, "Oh, there's Bryce Perkins." So it may have been just quarterback by committee a little bit yesterday. Nonetheless, the Rams keep falling and falling. We will get to them here eventually. Let's get this. Could have been done in the email section. Some of the games that we want to get out of the way, like this Thursday night game where Buffalo all of a sudden didn't happen until yesterday, but catapults into the number one spot in the AFC as a total out of nowhere, almost dead a couple weeks ago. At least what some people thought because they were in third place. They they creeped up here very quickly. 24-10 win against the Patriots. Buffalo holds the pass to only 60 rushing yards, third of 12, uh, three of 12 on third down possessions and held the ball 17 minutes longer. Mac Jones was not happy about the running game, but just like how the running game wasn't happy about Mac's passing. Two ways to show you how inept the Patriots are right now. After that 75-yard touchdown drive in the first quarter, their drives went three and out, three and out, three and out, missed field goal, punt, punt, meaningless field goal. The second way is that their leading wide receiver was their cornerback, Marcus Jones problems up there in new england pittsburgh and kenny pickett though are continuing to grow week by week they beat the atlanta falcons in 1916 but the coolest part of this game was connor hayward's first ever touchdown was coming against his father's old team on an eerily similar route that his dad ran but to do it as a teammate of his brother cam hayward in the city of where their dad rested i know they said they were at his grave together earlier it just made the moment even sweeter. Again, just made a meaningless game have some meaning, which is really cool. See, I never knew that. I wish I knew that a little bit out of the asshole. Let me sprinkle a little bit on the Connor Hayward touchdown. You know when there's a, an emotional aspect to a game, even if you know about it or you don't know about it, like the Hayward, Hayward brothers going and how I didn't know about it, you always want to add a little bit on there for the emotional stake because you never know. People like to rise above – you know, their expectations when something like this is happening in the situation that they have themselves in. Atlanta drops to one and six against the spread over the last seven weeks after being the best team in the league, ATS. Pittsburgh D clamps them down, and Pittsburgh's offense just does enough. Kenny Pickett, as Wally was saying, 197 yards, one touchdown. 
And that ends the stat line right there. No interceptions for the kid. He's starting to play some ball now. Green Bay goes into Chicago. So Aaron Rodgers can re-up his ownership in this city and this football team. Justin Fields can run that rock, baby. But my Packers are 2-0 against the Chicago Bears and the worst team that was ever created in the NFL. I love it. Christian Watson ties the rookie record for most two touchdown games consecutively with four tied with Randy Moss. And Aaron, what seems like sends his farewell to to Bears fans here while looking like a Nazi in the process. And if you think I'm just being an asshole, go look on Twitter. People have been burning him about it. Time to rest him in hopes he returns next year, but to lock down a top seven pick to grab Jackson Smith and Jigba from the Ohio State who just declared for the draft here today. Yeah, Kanye West is a big Green Bay Packers fan after this Sunday. I tell you what, you were not the only team in this matchup that would do almost anything for Jackson Smith and Jigba. I really do think the NFC North is a perfect home for him. We'll get into that in the offseason. But the Bears should fiercely protect fields the way the Packers should Aaron Rodgers right now. There's really not any reason to keep trotting them out there. If anything, it's going to get in the way of the draft pick. And who knows, maybe take a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba away from you. So let's go into our next game. Jacksonville goes into Detroit in the Lions this last month and a half are playing extremely high level football through a perfect game. I'll let you get into that. But Jamison Williams, he didn't make a big impact, but making his debut with the Lions is a huge deal. Sun God and Jamo are the future in Motown. I'm seriously so happy for Kyle Butson's of the world, Michael Phillips of the world, my buddy. Lions fans deserve this. It's not there yet, but you can see the sun coming up on the horizon, and it it's happening. It's happening. It's close, and like you said, who cares? Let's get the kids some routes. Let's get them some playing time. Let's get them. Let's just see what it looks like on an NFL field. Just kind of dip his toes in there a little bit. Maybe they can get them going here the last few weeks of the season. But Detroit walks away with points on every single drive yesterday. If it was a field goal or a touchdown, Detroit has won four of their last five heading into the final weeks. And now they might be breaking out into the last NFC wildcard spot. Let's put it here. Yes, I know that they are pretty far down there. They're right now, I want to say that they're the ninth seed, only behind Washington who's 7-5-1. and one. you got Seattle, who's now jumped to 7-5. and five. The Giants were a 7-4-1, which we'll get to the tie here in a little bit, as you guys can kind of tell. But a fun fact knowing this, I know they have the Vikings next week, and it's kind of easy soaring on from there for the Lions. They also owe the tiebreaker over the Giants and Washington. So this can get very interesting here down the road. Hey, I'll, I'll take another NFC North team kind of repping it up here in the playoffs if it's as long as it's not chicago we know it's not going to be green bay why not lions aj brown reminds the titans front office on why they should have just shut up and paid the man and kept him there going eight receptions for 119 yards two touchdowns he had one called back that was a filthy touchdown i think he ended up stepping out of bounds what does he do comes back the next play breaks the db's ankles wide open touchdown also pat on the back here if you guys took my prop lock and drop with two plus touchdowns for AJ Brown, you're welcome. I went heavy on his number one, sprinkled it on the second one, and I loved it. But man, the Eagles keep rolling. You deserve that pat on the back. And to the people at home that listened last week, that means I'm also patting myself on the back 
Because Stephen, I took the same prop as you. I was in love with that as well. You knew, especially the way Sirianni is, that he was going to scheme up a way to get A.J. Brown to get at his old team. And it had to have hurt Tennessee fans. But the Eagles are a bona fide juggernaut, and the Titans are bona fide frauds. Hurts looks like an MVP camp. Like he, he's got an MVP campaign that nobody really saw coming. At this point, it's a, really a coin flip between him and Mahomes. I'm kind of rooting for him. I feel like he deserves it. I just can't remember seeing such extreme growth happen so quickly. And Jalen Hurts seems to be the type of human being that you'd want to root for. And that's just awesome. So I really hope he gets it done. Third year, for all my third-year leapers out there who believe in it, me, Dave, me, David, and Wally got into it one day about the third year leap. I love this proving me right. It happens. One guy. I was going to say, there's definitely on both sides of that. I'm kind of more in the middle on this, the leaps, but listen to us in the off season, as you know, we'll get more into that, especially in draft season. But this next game, just brutal on the eyes. Denver goes to Baltimore. Lamar Jackson gets hurt in this game. Tyler Huntley actually has to come in and play the role as hero as much as you can in an offensive effort that puts up 10 points. But it's hard to say that the Ravens are really the favorites in the AFC North after yesterday. I can't do it anymore, especially if he misses time. And if he misses an extended period of time, there's a real-world scenario that the Ravens aren't even a playoff team. As for the Broncos, at least you have that great pick in the top five this April, huh, guys? (laughs) <laughs> yeah you are not kidding uh another update yes russell wilson still has more bathrooms in his in his home than he has touchdown passes and so does carson wentz he has more touchdown passes than russell wilson dude hasn't played since week six but lamar getting hurt taylor huntley coming in to surprise the dolphins on a almost a walk-off touchdown drive here kudos to them now to wally's point if lamar is out it doesn't matter if it's a couple weeks one week he's already been ruled out if not as close to being ruled out as you can be heading into Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But you have the Steelers, Browns, Falcons, Steelers, and Bengals. Four of your last five games are within the division. The Bengals just got a game up on you here in the lead. Actually, you guys technically still have the lead since you beat them in your first matchup. So you have a half game cushion right now. You need to get Lamar back because if Huntley can't get it done against the Steelers, boy, oh boy, they might be missing the playoffs, Walter. If he's out for two or three weeks, look out. I don't know if that means it's the New York Jets. I don't know if that's the New England Patriots, the Los Angeles Chargers, or who knows, maybe a five-win team out there. They need Lamar back, and they need him back in a bad way. Houston got Deshaun Watson back on Sunday, or at least as an opposition. The Cleveland Browns have their moment – I don't even want to call it glory – but the moment that you you put up all the shit in the offseason for and Deshaun Watson comes out and he looked as rusty as you would have believed, if it was not for three defensive scores or special team scores from Cleveland, there is a really good chance that this could have gone from a brutal debut to an all-time bad debut, Stephen. As a guy who took Houston plus seven and the money line, I was feeling so good about this, even heading into halftime with only a six-point lead that the Browns had. I want to say it was a 14-8 lead that they had. It was At one point, Houston was up 5 nothing. Regardless, the defense and special teams saved the day. 
somebody out there, and I always like to say this, you know, with games like this, for somebody out there who doesn't, who says special teams doesn't matter, watch a game like this and tell me that special teams does not matter. But Deshaun with 131 yards and an interception, he was looking rough. As rough as somebody would look, you know, 700 plus days without playing a sport at the professional level. Give him a couple days. I don't know if we're giving him a couple days. Give him a couple weeks. I don't know if we're actually even going to see his ceiling by the end of this season. But if they start getting if they start getting the wheels turning here a little bit, I think the Browns can do some real damage here next year. The Seattle Seahawks go into SoFi Stadium, uh, CenturyLink South. It's not CenturyLink anymore. It's something else. But you always got to make the joke. The Seahawks come out 27-23 when Geno marches down the field, leads the boys to a game-winning touchdown with about eight seconds left. But first off, this shouldn't have been this close. I don't care if it's a divisional game. You don't, no Matt Stafford, no Cooper Cup. I don't think they didn't have Allen Robinson in there. No Aaron Donald. Seattle's got to be able to take full advantage of those teams, but they did have some injuries themselves. I know Kenneth Walker left the game here a little bit earlier than they would like. Nonetheless, Gino gets this team out of a two-game losing streak, gets them right back in the winner's circle, as well as the seventh seed in the NFC right now. They're starting to feel themselves, Wally. Are they the seventh seed? I thought with the tie, they might be behind them, but either way, they're right in the mix. But I'm not going to pretend like this was a glorious win, but Seattle did avoid what would have been one of the worst losses in the NFL this year. And I think we can all agree, especially where the state. Eh, I don't know. I think the Colts beating the Raiders are, are up there. Oh, I definitely agree with you. And it's worse. But if they lost this game with the playoff damning qualities that would have been for Seattle, it might have been worse. <laughs> but I'm happy to see that Gino did lead that drive with two minutes left down the field, it at least gives you a, a bit of hope because we've seen Seattle's defense improve throughout the year. you got to hope that they can get back to even what they were a month ago. And then who knows, maybe you can shock a team in the playoffs. Playoffs? 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 Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? The Chargers go to Las Vegas, one of the few teams in the NFL that can make the Raiders in the Las Vegas environment a true home field advantage. Devontae Adams and Derek Carr are so much fun to watch right now. You can really feel the chemistry that they have when playing with one another. And welcome to the 2022 NFL season. Chandler Jones had half a sack entering the season and had three yesterday. The Raiders still need to win the next three to get me on board. Get, I think other Raiders fans Hope, but it's possible. You have that horrible Rams team we were just talking about on Thursday. You then follow that up with New England, who looks kind of like a shell of themselves when they're not playing the New York Jets. And then you go on Christmas Eve to Pittsburgh. If you're eight and seven at that point, you have your toughest two games on the schedule to end the year. If you can get it done, though, there's reason to believe there's an 18th game out there, but you need to win the next three games first. As for LA, this was a mighty big blow. It feels like they're a lot farther away from the playoffs in the Raiders, and they're a game up. I think it means that it's about that time that we start hyping up Sean Payton to Los Angeles because, Brandon Staley, your goose is cooked. Enjoy the next five games. 
And it started right there, fourth and two on the opening drive. You go for it instead of taking points. Now, I'm sounding a little bit salty from a man who took the over 49 and a half. And if you're a big math whiz like myself, the game ended at 47. Let's calculate if he took a field goal instead of winning on fourth and two in the opening drive. And that's a miraculous 50. That would have won. So, yes, I'm a little bit salty, but it's shit like that. I'll kind of come to the defense of Jeff Saturday or whatever coaching staff. It's like, you can't blame the results, and we'll get to the game. You can't blame the results directly on Jeff Saturday. He's not the guy out there turning the ball over again. We'll get to it, so I don't want to crack my egg here a little bit soon. But here you can directly result your failure to your head coach, making stupid decisions like this this early. And I get it. This is your mantra. It's just not working, all right? We all have that friend that, you know what? We should kind of stop hanging out with him because that dude's reckless. I know I'm that reckless friend that it stops getting hung out with. So, yeah, you want to kind of steer away from that and play smart football. And, and all at the same time, you're minimizing your offense here as a whole. They looked bad. Horrible clock management yesterday at the end of the game. Even without any timeouts, you got to do something better. But on the Raiders side, I how could you not be hyped about it? Wally hit the nail on the head. Devontae and DC are looking great here together. The dude is uncovered. Doesn't matter who the fuck's throwing him the ball. Double, triple, quadruple covered. That dude is going to come down with it. He is like the universal Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson's fucking Devontae's up there. He'll just come down and grab. And if not, he'll give you hope to continue going right back to him. This defense is starting to play a little bit better. All of Chandler Jones is signed to play here a little bit. But yeah, Wally, how could you not be happy? Because your path for playoffs are right in front of you. Kind of like what you said, we'll take a couple more minutes on this game. You, you have the Patriots, they're two slots in front of you. All of a sudden, you beat them, the Chargers lose again. You catapult to that last team there on the bubble. We have the Jets, we'll see what they're looking like. Miami, uh, okay, let's brush past that one. You have the Bengals that are right there in the fifth seed, but you know what? They're going to overtake that three or four seed because of winning the division. And who's going to drop down the Baltimore Ravens? So Wally is still channeling his, I want to, I want everyone to be miserable right now, but now it's channeling. I want Baltimore to be miserable right now, because that is your number one ticket in to the playoffs is the Baltimore Ravens just go right down. All of a sudden here come the Vegas Raiders and they could be making some noise. Wally. I know, I know you're, you're going to take everything I say with a grain of salt as you should, and you don't want to get too excited, but as an avid, avid Vegas fan like myself, I like the position that they're sitting in right now. How many wins is it going to take to get into the playoffs in AFC? Because I think that's the question. I think it's – you're going to have to win out, I think. I think yeah. it's going to be 10. But I think it's going to be 10 too, and I think that you're going to lose to San Francisco or Kansas City at the end of the year. I don't think you will. Why would you lose to Kansas City? If they have number one locked up, or if number one's too far out of the reach and number two is – not changing they're not going to play they're you're right they're starters but that's a big if that and, is a large if i agree and san francisco is playing like a super bowl contender right now that's going to be really really hard to overcome too you need one more chiefs loss to lock up you getting their scrubs on week 18 you need baltimore to keep losing Tennessee is going to lock up that division, so they're going to stay in the fourth seed. You're going to put the Bengals into three. You're going to lock up Miami there in the fifth seed. Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Titans, Miami. So there's the fifth seed right there. And then you have six and seven that can change because Baltimore's going to pop down, but if they keep losing, they're going. The Jets, 
we'll see. And I think New England's going to get knocked out. I think it can be another nerve-wracking Week 18 year for you here to get into the playoffs, Wally. I'm excited. I'm converting. I'm a, I'm Team Devontae. I'm starting. Yesterday was the first time where I was just like, oh, shit, there goes Devontae popping off. Man, he's good. Instead of being like, yeah, there goes Devontae, that fucking asshole. <laughs> I do think that they'll get themselves into that graphic on the screen for playoffs for the rest of the year. I think that means that week 18, there's going to be value. I just think that you're going to have a nine and eight Raiders team at the end of the year. And that's not going to be enough. And that's where until it happens, I don't buy it. And also not buying into the Indianapolis Colts and Jeff Saturday. Wow. The Jeff Saturday experience is over. The Matt Ryan experience is over. The Indianapolis Colts season is over. The Cowboys now have the two biggest blowouts in the NFL, and they've both happened in the last several weeks. Do not look in the rear view now, Philadelphia, because Dallas may be closer than you think. Dallas is way closer than you think, and kudos to Cooper Rush here. I mean, he's the guy that kept this team alive for the most part. And over the next few weeks, you have – the Eagles playing the Giants, the Bears, the Cowboys once again, the Saints, and the Giants to close it out. December 24th, mark your calendars. Wally already has it for a completely different reason. Eagles versus Cowboys, that's going to decide the fate of is Philly going to finally get the number one seed and lock this one down? Or is Dallas going to make a late season charge here to potentially overtake the number one seed in the NFC? Now, the Eagles do need two losses. Honestly, they need three losses. One of those coming from the Dallas Cowboys to really have it. I think Philly has it all but locked up right now. I'm not really too worried. But nonetheless, we will talk here after the New York Giants game here this week and see what our energy is looking like. But this is what I was referring to. And I don't want to – it's not like I'm on Team Jeff Saturday. But I hate when you think that there's coaches that are actually coaching well, unlike Brandon Staley. And the team's just not doing it. Matt Ryan, four turnovers. Four turnovers in the fourth quarter, leading to 30 points. A grand total of 33 points the Dallas Cowboys scored in the fourth quarter. I, I want to say Dallas outscored more than half the league on Sunday just in the fourth quarter, which is wild for me to think about. But Dallas' defense is, is real. I think David really has been nailing it. But Dallas has that Super Bowl defense. I was kind of waiting for consistent games where they put it on. They've just been doing it. Dallas is scary. But the only upside about Dallas not maybe upsetting a lot of people here in the playoffs, they have to be road warriors if Philadelphia can get their job done on their end. With that, that's going to end here with the email segment. Let's get right into the Week 13 recaps here. Before I toss it to Wally for the first game, we want you to know this week, 13 recap is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're Wally and I's age, where it feels like every single weekend there's a college graduation, engagement, weddings, baby pictures, you name it, they're happening. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check it out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on Instagram, Saw Dad and Sapphire. Again, that's abbyturnerphoto.com. We had the Miami Dolphins going to San Francisco, starting off hot. First play of the game, 75-yard touchdown. And then it was all downhill from there where San Francisco wins 33-17. Mike McDaniel's reunion with his old team, San Francisco, did not go quite as planned. And holy shit, 
that San Francisco defense, I mean, we knew how good they were, but we know how explosive Miami is. For them to come in and just hit them right in the mouth, that was mind-blowing to me. I thought Miami was going to keep it a, lo- a little bit closer, which they did. Tua fumbles it here in the fourth quarter. They returned it for a touchdown, so that, that lead makes it look a lot larger than it actually is. But I think we can all agree, Tua did not look good yesterday. And you know what? I think not having Trent Armstead in, his all-pro left tackle, made a huge difference as Nick Bosa had three sacks on the kid. Yeah, you hit it right there. There's a couple reasons for the start not being able to be maintained. Because, yeah, you have that seven points, 10 seconds in. You have 10 the rest of the game. It's not something we're accustomed to with this Miami team. But you not only were missing Teron Armstead, you're missing Austin Jackson, who is going to be on IR. They just signed Eric Fisher today to kind of be a stopgap. But that's not a good thing. I mean, what have we noticed all year is that when the offensive line can't hold up for Tua, that's when you start running into problems. And without, honestly, two tackles, there are a lot of issues. But this is also a San Francisco defense that deserves a ton of credit. You get it, like, punched in the face. And a lot of people, myself included, got nervous about my pick all of a sudden. But after that, you lose Jimmy Garoppolo, and you're still able to beat this Miami team. This is a Miami team that desperately doesn't want to face a pass rush like San Francisco's in the playoffs because that realistically to me is the only thing that can really derail a team like this. The other thing that really bothered me about this though, was that the dolphins ran the ball eight total times in this game. They completely abandoned the run and it really wasn't even needed. It made no sense. Just frustrating. It's not a game that I think that you get worried about if you're a dolphins fan, it is kind of an anomaly after the way the season's been Four second half turnovers, another turnover on downs. That's five drives ending ways that it shouldn't be. To me, the biggest story coming out of this game was Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant has to be anything but irrelevant the rest of the year now. And uh, I don't know if he's got it. He looked good yesterday. A lot of 49er beat writers were saying in training camp, Brock Purdy's the number two. Like, we're not going to have Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to get traded like we all thought was going to happen. Brock Purdy's a good backup. If they're right, this is a team that's still Super Bowl good. That's how good this defense is, even with a rookie seventh-round pick. You can get it done. So what was your thought on the 49ers, Stephen? Because CMC, he's doing a bit of everything. You don't have your quarterback. It was just a really interesting game. I'd like to hear your thoughts on San Francisco. I mean, this was a San Francisco game, right? You bring in a quarterback, you're not going to think is going to be able to perform, and Brock Purdy goes in there. Mr. Irrelevant, I mean, that is a lot of pressure. How I was thinking this, you know, of course, being an NFL guy, and, and he's a rookie, or being a veteran, it's like it's already hard as a veteran to actually, I feel like, to get motivated. It's like, okay, am I actually going to go in? And all of a sudden, shit, shit's hitting the fan. I need to go in right now. But that's why they're getting paid a whole lot more money than we are because kudos to him. That is it's not just going into a game. You're going into a game against arguably the best team in the AFC at going into Sunday, right, before some of these teams. So for him to go in, do what he has to do, only having one turnover, and he was looking pretty damn good in there. But Mike McDaniels just got outcoached by his mentor. End of story, right? You can tell schematically he was doing well. D'Amico Ryan's on the defensive side of the ball was making Tua just his bitch throughout the whole day. And I love this for Brock Purdy, a guy who you have this name as Mr. Irrelevant coming in. 
you never really get to see Mr. Irrelevant in the game. Maybe, you know, maybe the guy who had the Bucks there a couple of years ago, who's on the special teams, you see every once in a while. You only know him because you saw the Uber Eats commercial. But for him to go in there, perform the way that he did, and most importantly, come out with a much-needed win, that's huge. Now, it's kind of tricky. Do you keep trying to ride that lightning strike here, or do you go out in, in free agency or go out in the waiver wire now with Baker Mayfield out to get another quarterback? That's my main question. At this stage of the season, it's very hard to imagine you bring in a guy like Baker Mayfield and it's going to change the trajectory of what you can do in the postseason. If you bring a guy like Baker in, it is to effectively be the backup to Brock Purdy. You need Brock Purdy to look like he did yesterday. If he can, I really do think this is a 49ers team that can line up and beat anybody the entire year. The question for me, you had four sacks allowed by the 49ers, 10 quarterback hits. Is that Miami's defense finally getting their pass rush to show up? Going out, they got Bradley Chubb. He had a sack yesterday. Or the San Francisco got their own problems on the offensive line. That's my question. Is You got to just hope to keep Brock Purdy protected. He's got to have time because you got to make this as simple as you can for a rookie, especially at this stage of the year. Don't have him go out there having to be Superman. That's why they brought in Bradley Chubb, right? That's why they traded for him. That's why they gave him a fat extension. So it's good. And I, and I think that if anything that Mike McDaniels knows how to exploit, it's going to be that offensive line. As a man who was kind of running that offense run game, essentially, he's going to know the ins and outs of that offensive line. What's the weakness, if any, on Trent Williams, you know, or just really anyone in the interior on the other, on the other tackle here. So I think that's the only tip of the cap that Mike Daniels is going to get is kind of getting him and his coaches to get Bradley Chubb set up for success against this. But I don't think it's anything to worry about, quite frankly, because we know what this O-line is going to be like. Again, you have Kyle Shanahan that's going to scheme you week in and week out on how to beat these teams. And, and you know what? Maybe he got out-schemed on, on the trenches this week. Guarantee it was not going to happen again. You're right. And having the flip side, you get three sacks from Nick Bosa, has to be super encouraging as well. That dude, and and again, like we kind of said it here to the top of the segment, you can tell how important not having an all-pro left tackle is in turn Armstead, and they're hopeful that he's going to be back here within the next couple of weeks because I want to say it was a pectoral injury that he had or something around there, but it wasn't a full tear, so he was able to kind of go at it. But enough about San Fran. Does this change anything about your perspective on Miami? I mean, you go in – this is a game – I wouldn't call it a must win. Maybe it's a must win now because all of a sudden they're they're uh, down looking up at Buffalo here in the division, let alone the whole conference in the seeding. But man, is this more or less of maybe this is something that Miami actually is and now people have game plans against? Or is it just kind of that one-off game where they just got out coached and outplayed? I'm not worried about Miami. This game, I went in very confident in San Francisco because of the Kyle Shanahan factor because of this defense, it reminded me so much of the Super Bowl when I remember growing up really like getting into the NFL, the Raiders played Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay had the best defense in the in the league that year. The Raiders had the best offense. It was very similar to this, where the offense for the Raiders was dynamic. You had Jerry Rice, you had Tim Brown, Charlie Gunner, Tyrone Wheatley, Doug Jolly. It was like name after name after name but you ran into the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense 
which just was great at all levels, had a great pass rush, good secondary, great linebacker play. It reminded me of this. This is just a nightmare matchup. You don't want anything to do with a team like San Francisco, a team like Dallas. I'm trying to think of an AFC equivalent. I guess Buffalo. Maybe would now Cincinnati. Maybe Cincinnati. Buffalo like is just so injury now. It sucks because yeah. they had all those guys at the level and they just keep getting hurt where now their sole level is linebacker. Yeah. So it's just a question of can Miami avoid the juggernaut defenses or at least the juggernaut pass rush? Because that's going to be what hurts them. It's been all year. This is Have we ever talked about a tackle that's not playing more than Teron Armstead? And it's because it feels like he's the catalyst. If he's in there, this team is a Super Bowl team. If he's not in there, this is a team that's a 9-10 win team. Nothing special about him. Out of the divisional round. No, I agree. And I know I kind of alluded to, if you don't think special teams is anything, if you don't think O-line or left tackle plays anything, this is the game you need to watch. It proves that it does. It takes 22 men, 33 if you want to add on some layovers, uh, with the special teams. It takes all three units. San Francisco just won all three. Easy as that. Uh, they took full advantage of the injuries. We had two kind of going out with an ankle injury there in the game a little bit, and they were dominant. And Nick Bosa, I mean, defensive player of the year. Should we just say that right now? It's crazy. This year, unlike almost any that I can remember, there's got to be five, six, seven names that you can legitimately make a case for defensive player of the year right now. And he's so definitely you, on that so Who do you think they are? I think Bosa would Max Crosby. Max Crosby. Sauce is going to be yeah. on there as well, yeah. I, I, you're going to have uh, – I mean, Matt Judon could have a case. Judon, yep. I mean, there's a lot of names. It's mostly your pass rush. I don't think that – beyond your pass rush elites this year you're going to have anybody besides maybe the sauce gardener get talked about and i don't even think he's a realistic contender because he's such a shoe in for defensive rookie of the year that it's almost like all right well we're giving him one award if he does it again then we'll talk about it but it's going to be a pass rusher speaking of the aforementioned sauce gardener we have the new york jets losing a nail biter in Minnesota, where the Vikings squeak out a 27-22 win. I mean, this game, it seemed like Minnesota had it tucked away. And all of a sudden, here come those damn Jets that just do not die. Mike White not having the Mike White game that we saw last week. But nonetheless, he kept this team in there until the final seconds. And that's really all you can ask for, for a guy coming in here. At the end of the day, you can tell the energy in this locker room, the energy in the offense just – the ball being spread out in the offense. Did you guys know Elijah Moore still plays for the Jets? I didn't know either till last week. Holy shit, the dude is getting the ball. And he had people rocking the Mike White shirts. Side note, before we get in more into this game, as a quarterback, if you're starting, you get benched. The dude take, replacing you throws for 300 yards, and you see your whole offense wearing his shirt. How do you feel, Wally? That's an excellent question. That's got to be rock bottom. I'm so happy that you kind of picked up on that too, because when I saw yesterday in that red zone, like the pregame show, whatever, it felt to me when you saw the offense in those shirts, doesn't it just say Zach Wilson's tenure in, in New York is done? Like, it feels like it's over. Unless he has like a catastrophic drop off these next few weeks or he does something directly. But even if he does, it's Joe Flacco time. You're you know? right. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, he's on your books. 
And I like how Salah's kind of going to the media. Like, Mike White's already been named the Week 14 starter. And I respect Salah kind of going back and it's like, you know what? You know, It's a week-by-week thing. I don't want the kid to be done, yada, yada. What else are you supposed to say? Zach Wilson's done. He just never developed. Injury-prone or not, you have to show an inkling of development in year two. Just something you can bait. Okay, that's a good throw right there. You're not having any of those. Yeah, you have a couple nice throws here or there. I've also seen Sam Darnold fucking throw a dime or two, and he's only been in two weeks. So you know what? Yeah, doesn't matter what level an NFL quarterback is. You can throw dimes, but if you're not doing it consistently and turning the ball over mixed with that, you're not going to have a job. Zach Wilson, I'm sorry, man. I'm glad you got picked number two. Never have to worry about money in your life again. But you also never have to worry about strapping in those that chin strap again, dude. You are finito, smoked. Josh Rosen 2.0, as in he's no. I would even give him Max. At least they gave Josh. At least they gave Zach Wilson a chance. They never even gave Josh Rosen a chance. They were like, here's six games. Like, yeah, fuck this guy. See you, dude. No, you're not good enough. I mean, I really do think that Zach Wilson's crossbody pro day throw made him millions of dollars that he probably didn't deserve. But hey, that's an I don't want to take shots below the belt. Obviously, he's not uh, in a position that I would envy right now. He will probably get another chance to at least back up somewhere, but I short career, short career. I know. He, and he was in a great position in the offseason that all of us were jealous of, and look at him now. So fast. What what do they say? It's the heavy is the head that wears the crown or whatever is the saying. You, you have – yeah, if you're in New York and you're the quarterback of the New York Jets, there's not many positions I think are less enviable in sports. And to come in and do as poorly, it only gets worse. But Mike White – oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, continue with the Mike White. I was going to flip into the Vikes. No, I just wanted to say last thing. I mean, he he's – you brought up Elijah Moore and being alive. Garrett Wilson looks like a legit star. And it's yeah. because there's just a quarterback that can get him the ball now. I think Garrett Wilson, unless Alave, because even though Alave's having a better year yardage-wise, and he's, he might – well, we'd have to look at the yards again, but he might be the only rookie receiver nailing over 1,000 yards. It's going to be an OSU battle for offensive rookie of the year, point blank. Barring injury, God forbid, but I even think this late in the year that even an injury is not going to stop one of these guys from winning it. OSU knows how to pump out wide receivers consistently. Yeah, and if they win it this year, you might be looking at Jackson Smith and Jigba winning it next year, followed by Marvin, Marvin Harrison, Harrison Jr. Jr. The like, year. <laughs> yeah, and who knows what will happen. It's yeah. someone else that's fucking floating around your wide receiver room that's going to get some touches now that JSN is out. So we'll uh, – or JN. Yep, JSN, well, I had it. JSN, I had it, baby. So now we have the Minnesota Vikings here. I want to steal a little bit here from the rundown, but – I think we're just both in the same wavelength here. The Vikings just continue winning these close games. Now, something I'm definitely stealing from you is they're 9-0 in one-possession games. Is this going to catch up to them? This just seems like a recipe for disaster in the playoffs. Even though, in on theory and paper, these are the games that you consistently want to win, law of averages, it's going to catch up to you, Minnesota. There's two ways to look at this. You can look at this optimistic and be like, hey – you're winning these close games. I think that that does help that team psyche in close games that we're going to find a way to get it done. Whereas teams like the Raiders, teams like the Browns, I often are the opposite where they look for reasons to almost let the worst happen and then let the worst manifest in the locker room. 
But then on the other side, they're a huge regression candidate because you can't keep winning this way. This was another example on Sunday where it just felt like they were letting the Jets get back in. I mean, they were outgained by 200 yards. You had Mike White in a position two separate times inside three minutes left, inside your 20-yard line with the chance to win the game. Credit, I guess credit to the defense because they were bend, don't break all game. They almost gave up 500 yards, but they allowed five field goals. That's five drives that you save four points on. You have two interceptions, including the one that won the game, the end. You also have two more turnovers on downs and two punts. So to give up 500 yards and to allow 22 points to an offense that really was doing what they wanted to, you are excited, but you're a little worried too. It feels naturally i think we had this discussion but i'd like to hear your thoughts too like it is philadelphia dallas and san francisco and then there is a trench a massive trench of a fall off and then you get the minnesota vikings i'm not calling them a super bowl contender even if they go 15 and 2 and that's very possible Stephen. the only team they play on their schedule the rest of the year with a 500 record or better right now is the new york giants and we all know how we feel about the new york giants yeah, I'm not ready to call him a Super Bowl contender either, but that's how the media is going to portray because of the, they're the number two team right there. Oh, can Kirk – and then everyone – the narrative of, oh, is Kirk Cousins going to finally get it done? He's going to have a primetime game, this, that, and the other. Minnesota's no one to be feared. You know why? Because there's there's not an offense in here, or that's at least in the playoffs that I know that can't gash them, right? I mean, maybe not gash – but you got you got the Eagles, you check that box. The Niners, huge question mark, but your defense is so bad that maybe Brock Purdy can light you up. He kind of lit up Miami a little bit yesterday, and we know how bad Miami's defense is all around, but Tampa Bay and the Bucks, they have the pieces to be able to light you up with the amount of receivers that they have. Yeah, I know that their O-line isn't great, so Zadarius Smith and Neil Hunter would have a field day with that O-line, but that matchup's not going to happen. For a little bit, and Tristan Wirfs is going to be back by that time. You know what Dallas can do against that against that defense. New York, hell, even New York might be able to do something here. My man Darius Slayton can pop off and have a game. Seattle, Geno Smith will light these people up. What if, what if Detroit ends up sneaking in? I'm just saying. This defense has a lot of question marks. They are clearly the Achilles heel, Achilles heel of this team, and we have seen – Coming from a guy who's seen a lot of defenses give up 500 yards, but Ben not break, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. Especially if you're 9-0 in one possession games, law of averages again, your defense is going to fuck up or you're just going to fumble this one possession game because really you're 8-1. and one. Let's be real here. You should be 8-1 and one in one possession games, 10-3 and three going into this week. Don't worry about Minnesota. They'll work themselves out. I actually agree with you. And even if by some miracle – you have a Vikings team run the table and find a way to get the one seed. It might just be another one of those historic Minnesota teams that falls short. Like you always think about, I think Morton Anderson in the 15 and one Minnesota Vikings with Randy Moss and Dante Culpepper falling short. It feels very reminiscent, but speaking of one score games, how about a tie Steven Washington That's a zero score game? Actually, if you're right, I guess just score in general, which Nobody could do an overtime. And I want to almost start with that. This isn't even about those these teams. I'm so frustrated with the idea of the 10-minute overtime. 
What was wrong with 15 minutes? If we're going to argue the, the shave off five minutes for player safety, then don't play overtime. Make the regular part of the game mean more because this 10 minutes, it feels like it's so heavily weighted to score on that opening drive or you're done. Like It feels like if both teams end up punting, you, you are like at a coin flip for a tie, and I hate it. I bring back 15 minutes or get rid of overtime in general, in the regular yeah, I, season anyways. I'm hope I'm hopeful that this is going to kind of open the eyes of them changing the whole overtime rules to to include the regular season because we don't need the ties. Oh well, it really it really stirs up the NFC playoff picture, AFC the whole playoff. But we don't want it's already stirred up. Shit's already crazy. We do not need a tie right now to come to bite someone somebody in the ass here. Just just get it right. Because you know what? Do you know how many te- you know how many games are actually so close to being tied that people just are so lethargic in that overtime period? Where there's just feels like there's no sense of urgency from either side to get it done until they're like, oh, you know what? We can we can kick a field goal. Let's just wait till time expires. Call a timeout of two seconds. Take our chance there. We either win or we get a tie. No, fuck that. We need some sort of adaption of the college football rule. Maybe not fully. Get them at the fifty yard line. Shit. Or put them put them in your own forty yard line because the way field goal kickers are kicking nowadays, they can bomb it from the from the paint in the middle of the field. But make it more entertaining. It is no one's going to be entertained about a tie. If we wanted to watch ties, you go watch the World Cup, okay? But even though I am watching the World Cup for the record, we need this overtime period to be reevaluated, and we need it for an actual outcome of not a tie. It's just so aggravating because. Who, who complains about extra football? Literally no one. Put the five minutes. The players want to play. I guarantee you, yes, player safety is number one. But you know what number you know what the number one thing is in players' minds? They want to win. And they don't care about their safety at that time. And, yes, I know as a conglomerate of the NFL and being an NFL fan, that's all we care about. Dude, Jamar Chase was ready to give his left leg to go back out of the field. Or his right leg because of his hip. He had to be forced out. J.J. Watt literally died, literally died, and got his heart restarted. And so he came and played. They don't care about their safe and health and just just being healthy and their safety. They don't care about it. Not saying that we shouldn't, but if they're the product and they're the money revenue, give them what they want. Give them what the fans want. We want more overtime. It's just such a chip the NFLPA will use for other negotiations, it'll never happen. But I, I wish that you could take that the players want to win mentality and pass that along to Brian Dayball and Ron Rivera on Sunday because both of those coaches were coaching for ties inside the last five minutes of overtime. It was frustrating as hell to watch. Dayball punts the ball on the plus side of the field with less than two minutes left. In overtime, like, what are we doing? I was so frustrated in this game. It was 13, 13 and a half. And the commanders, I don't know what David was talking about because he was talking to you and me that he thought the Giants deserved to win. But after the first drive in the second half, which was a 20-yard touchdown drive following a Taylor Heineke fumble, the Giants offense fell off a cliff. They had six straight drives with a single first down or without a single first down, excuse me. And they had 83 yards from halftime on. They had 83 yards. They had no business winning this game. And if anything, 
I was almost really annoyed because Daniel Jones was starting to get it going with his feet a little bit early on. And it was almost like what Justin Fields and what the Chicago Bears are doing to open up that offense. And instead, they kind of went away from that. And the last thing I'll point out about the, the Giants' ineptitude on offense before I throw it back over to you is since that 35-carry game a month ago from Saquon Barkley, the one that all three of us were very against running him that much, he has followed it up with 15 rushes for 22 yards against Detroit, 11 rushes for 39 yards against Dallas, and 18 rushes for 63 yards on Sunday. He's not the same player right now, and it's clear that that is the reason why the Giants are falling off. Because the Giants go as Saquon Barkley goes, and right now they can't get him going. And all of a sudden, the Giants, I think, are probably the least likely of the current teams in the playoffs to make said playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they're looking rough. And even when Saquon is doing Saquon things, the offense as a whole doesn't look good. I mean, really the only good offensive outing I can think of off the top of my head is against Green Bay and over in London, where that second half, they really kind of put it together through the passing game, through the rushing game. And it just, it's kudos. Kudos to you if you have that guy and you just want to keep using him and using him and using him. We're seeing the same thing in Tennessee right now. Derrick Henry has averaging like three yards a carry over the last month after just going off the month prior to that. But yeah, you have this deep fall off. It is so clear how bad do you need a wide receiver in here, but get Saquon involved in the wide receiving game. You're going to, you're going to have him take less hits, but you're going to get the ball in your superstar's hands and he'll just go out and do something. This is not an offense where you, Daniel Jones is going to carry you maybe one or two games a year. Maybe he does some crazy things. You're like, holy shit, this could be our future. And then the following weeks, it kind of reminds you that he can't. He can just be kind of that placeholder up until you can find somebody. But Brian Dayball, you got to be better than this, man. Come on. It's so unlike him. And I know we don't like the 35-yard carries, but cutting it by 20, 24, and then in half in order for those weeks from Detroit, Dallas, and and this past Sunday, you can't do that. And I get that you want to save him up. You can't not get on the ball. You need to be better than this. It was just a frustrating game all the way around it. As the kids would say, these are just mid-teams. They're they're yeah. just middle of the pack. There's nothing special about either one. Yeah, that's not what they referenced, but yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, you're like middle of the pack. I was like, yeah, that's middle of the pack. not what they're referencing, but yeah, go on. Oh, well, well, that's what I thought. Can this be like a teach Wally the kids lingo moment? Yeah, remember when you were growing up and and you were smoking weed and there was only three types of weed. Oh, the really mids, shitty mids. Gotcha. You had mids, you had beasters, and you had headers or headies. Mids is the one that had the seeds, it's a little bit more brown. Got you high. You had to smoke a lot more of it, allegedly, what my friends told me. But well, you're lucky your friends like, are alive. Like you know? Wow, cool. Wally has friends. Kudos to him. No, but that's crazy. I always had thought it was like middle of the pack, but I guess that makes sense too. But that's even that's even better because they are that team uh, that you're you have just to, so cute, Wally. Yeah, well, here let's turn it into what the kids talk about with the mids. That is what these teams are. You have to watch really hard. You have to be a fan to be able to convince yourself these are football teams. Like having to smoke more to get there. You have to really, really love these teams to convince yourself that they're anything more than a team that's going to finish 8-8-1 eight, eight and one right now. 
teams I like that's getting me there. These, I would argue these are the headies uh, of the NFL right now. We have the Kansas City Chiefs losing a third straight to the Cincinnati Bengals. That's wild. And this was within the same year. You had beginning of January, end of January, right now in the beginning of December. Within a full calendar year, they have been, and they could, they can make it four. We're kind of jumping the gun here. Joe Burrow goes 25 of 31 with 286 yards with a couple touchdowns. Samaje Pirine, that dude loves the ball when Joe mixes it out. 21 touches for 106 with a five yards per carry average. Jamar Chase is back with 97 yards off seven receptions. I mean, this team, I, I don't get it. The Bengals have now what? They've won four or five in a row. They're looking and starting to become that team that everyone kind of feared here towards the end of the season. They're starting to get it together. That Trey Hendrickson dude, talk about a rush. That dude knows how to ball. He's st- he was causing Pat Mahomes some problems there in the second half. All second half, it feels like. Every time I looked up, there's 91, and he sticks out like a sore thumb. He's a he's a lineman that doesn't wear gloves. You love it. He's going down there. He's oh, he's just ready to get after it. Bengals are really, really starting to turn into that team that no one wants to face right now. I'm not ready to say that they're going to make another run here, but man, what we always talk about year in and year out on here, it's not about who the best team is, period, in the playoffs. It's about who is the hottest team right now. Bengals are starting to check that box for me. I completely agree. Eight and two since that horrible start, a start that made myself and probably almost every Bengals fan in the world start worrying was last year an aberration. Was this a mirage? Instead, we're now really like affirmed that this is going to be a team that is going to be a Super Bowl threat for as long as Joe Burrow is there. As long as Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow are there, it feels like it. And the defense has taken such strides. It might be the best front seven in football right now. It was a secondary that we were really worried about when Chidubi Owuzie went out about a month ago. And instead, the defense has stepped up. They, had it not been for that stop at the end of the first half, to me, this really didn't feel as competitive of a game as you would have expected. The Bengals took it to the Chiefs. They were significantly better than the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. Just an ass-kicking, really. I mean, Jamar Chase, he only had, when I say only, you know what I mean. He had seven catches for 97 yards. He also had one of the most ridiculous catches I've ever seen on the sidelines that didn't count. That has to be the most encouraging thing in the world to see, that he looks fully healthy. And what that does, too, is it brings out better play from T. Higgins. It brings out better play from Tyler Board. I know I know, he had that terrible drop yesterday, one of the worst drops you'll ever see on a walk-in touchdown. But beyond that, I mean, you're just getting contributions from every direction you didn't expect. Samaje P. Ryan has taken such advantage of Joe Mixon's time on the shelf. He looks unreal right now. He had 21 carries, 106 yards. He had six more catches for 49. This is such a fun team. And I got to give him credit because we love this shit on Zach Taylor. He threw the ball on third and 11 to end the game. The stones that takes, especially after Joe Burrow just took a pretty bad sack that made it a long field goal opportunity if they didn't get there. That takes balls. He did it. I'm so happy he did it. And Joe Burrow rewarded him. I just, there's not a level of this team I don't love right now. You brought up Trey Hendrickson. How about Sam Hubbard? 
That too, yes. that one-two combo. And then you go to their linebackers. It's Logan Wilson, Jermaine Pratt. It's just, there is talent all over. There's no reason to believe this team can't get back to the Super Bowl. And there's no reason to believe they can't get it done this year. Yeah. I mean, outside of it being a loaded AFC and I like a couple other teams above them, but I just, just like I said this past week, can they, can they really beat them three times foot right in my mouth? Can they really beat them four times? I'm done. I'm it's just the Bengals team. That is the Bengals team that somehow some way has rejuvenated the NFL instead of saying, damn it, Tom Brady's on his last leg. And now we're giving the keys to Pat Mahomes. who was beating everybody. Joe Burrow, not so fast. He's starting off hot here. And they, there were some comments here at the beginning of the week. Is this going to be our Peyton, our Manning and Brady 2.0? Burrow against Mahomes? Is this really going to be happening? It should be, and I love it. It's going to be – I brought up – I can't remember who I was talking to, but I thought that you not only have the Brady-Manning element, you also have the Big Ben and Philip Rivers element with yep. Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. Who's going to be the third and fourth quarterback that we're, in 20 years we're going to look back and say, wow, it is just such a shame that that guy played in that era with those elite guys because they missed out on Super Bowls. Like Philip Rivers never even played in one. Big Ben, he won two in a lot of eras. He probably wins four or five had it not been for Brady and Peyton. So – one of these and Rogers and Rogers too. There you go. Good call. That would be three. Good one. Oh, green and yellow freaking Lil Wayne. I still remember that. I just had flashbacks. Green and yellow, green and yellow. Oh, it's so gross. Uh, but I will say it is quite obvious that the Kansas city chiefs have a cat problem right now in Cincinnati. It makes you wonder. Cause you remember playing football, everybody who played a sport, everybody has that one team that they just can't get past. And at some point, you start wondering how much of it is up here, how much of it is in your in your head. If they can't get over the hump, if they don't happen, or if they happen to uh, play Kansas City in the postseason again and beat them yet again, and likely in Arrowhead yet again, we're in a really weird spot. If you're a Chiefs fan, where it's what do we do? Like what? What are we going uh, uh, like grab? This is a Super Bowl favorite that is getting bullied right now. I'm just saying, if the playoffs ended today, or if the season ended today, excuse me, you have the Bills number one in the bye week. You have Chiefs going up against the Jets. You have the Ravens going up against the Dolphins, and the Bengals going up against the Titans. So That's the a sexy playoff slate, by the way. Well, without Lamar Jackson, but say everything is good. So say you have the Chiefs beating the Jets, no-brainer. You have the Ravens beating the Dolphins. All of a sudden, the Bengals beat Tennessee. We have a second-round matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Bengals, except this time, well, it's an, it's an arrowhead again, which is where the AFC Championship game was last year. But all of a sudden, the second round, it could be cured up to be Bengals-Chiefs. And if not – and as we're expecting things to go now with the Bengals kind of winning that AF, the AFC North, that's not going to happen. That's more of an AFC championship matchup, if anything. But, man, I'm just starting to have pipe dreams. I need I need that running straight through my veins as somebody. And you know you love you know you know love football or listening to someone who loves football when he's getting this jacked up about teams. Not only that are not in his – that are not even his teams, they're not even in his conference. 
God, just give that to me. I need that every year. Here's the thing I'm going to throw out there, and this is getting way ahead of ourselves when you look at how difficult their schedule is. They are owned by Cleveland, so that's happening next week. They end the year with Baltimore. They have New England, who, honestly, that should be a win. But then you have Buffalo, and there's one other team I'm missing. But Buffalo is realistically the only team on that schedule that I think could or potentially should beat them. What's to stop the Bengals from ending the season 13-4 and four and all of a sudden slowly creeping up those AFC rank or standings? And who knows? There's If you get a win against both Buffalo and Kansas City and win out, the road might go through Cincinnati. And it would, because you're right, because it's going to be Browns, Bucks, Pats, Bengals, Bengals, uh, Bills, Ravens. So, yeah, their fate is right in their hands. Right, especially if you got to face Baltimore here. Hopefully, Lamar Jackson's not going to be healthy, or maybe you locked up the one seed by then. I don't know. It's about shit is about to go down right now in the AFC playoff picture. But you hit the nail on the head. They beat Buffalo. They already got a tiebreaker against against Kansas City. Buffalo has a tiebreaker against Kansas City as well. That would drop the Chiefs to minimum the number three spot, three two one. We could be facing another. AFC championship. It's either going to be the Bengals versus the Bills, the Bengals versus the Chiefs. And man, if the Bengals somehow go back to back Super Bowls, has there ever been a a more surprising back to back Super Bowl arrival or AFC uh, representative? Just dude, no one obviously no one gave him the chance this year. Really, we're not even fully in on giving them the chance to be the number one seed right now. Right, there's still a couple. There's still a couple of opponents. If if they beat if they beat Cleveland, it's fucking over. They're probably winning the whole damn thing, because that is. I think that's the last monkey to get off their back outside of losing in the Super Bowl last year. They might win out. I don't know. It's exciting, it, and I like it being here in Ohio. So I have the ability to kind of watch them a little bit more freely, you know, as opposed to somebody else who I'm going to stream it, get up halfway through the third quarter redo it or get up halfway through the first and the third quarter to redo it. It's, it's an annoying process, but man, Cincinnati is exciting. Yes, they are. And the last thing I'll say on them is that I have been, as my family, I think has always been as well, very critical of the home field advantage in Cincinnati. They would allow Pittsburgh to walk in and take over the city. They'd allow Cleveland to walk in and take over the city. Any home teams. That's the thing. Any home team used to walk in, or a road team would walk in and basically take over in big games. Yesterday was as dynamic and as loud and as impactful as I can ever remember the Bengals home field advantage being. This is a baseball town that now all of a sudden has reason to believe that there's they're worth watching and that they have a real future. And I'm seriously so happy Cincinnati I'm happy for like Columbus that's basically split 50-50 with Browns and and Bengals fans it's I'm really excited yeah I'm even if it's not this year this Bengals team has Super Bowls in them with Joey Burrow like multiple is gonna happen fun thing to kind of add on here I don't think there's too much to look into right now but um Bengals go in Burr, Bengals have the visiting Chiefs on January 2nd of last year of 2021. Uh, excuse me, January of 2022, this past year. January 2nd, 
They have a home game against what is known as the number one seed, and they meet on January 30th, which that's not going to line up this year as the AFC Championship game. Who do they have on January 2nd this year? The Buffalo Bills, and they could potentially be lining up with them on January 29th, almost a full year on both those dates. Could you imagine that? If the Bengals on the second beat the Bills, end up having to face them again, and they beat them again to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's just – that's something you can't look past. Kind of like how Josh Allen, back-to-back week 12s, have lost over a worse team. I'm just saying. It's right there in front of us. There's no reason I, – I, it's this simple. The national media, national football fans as a whole, need to stop sleeping on the Cincinnati Bengals team. This is not a fluke. Last year was not a fluke. This team is only going to keep getting better. There's no reason at all to believe that they can't make another run. And that means going through the gauntlet that is the AFC. And if they get there, well, shit, maybe this year it is the year. Finally, they get number one. Last thing I'll say, and then I'm done. I had to bring it up. My brother, probably two sheets to the wind yesterday. Bengals by a billion in the Super Bowl. It's happening where Bengals fans are, they're turning off. <laughs> they're turning I'm off. That negative part, but by a billion too. You have to make sure you get the points. I think I only have it by a million on my book, but I'll see if I can buy a point. Well, good value, I'm sure. Still, (laughs) but that's but that's what I mean is that this is a fan base that has been for so long. The I don't know. They look for the negatives. They look for reason to doubt. Last year was the first playoff when they'd had in over 30 years. It's changing. And that all starts with Joe Burrow. It's just we're watching the birth of a new special team here in the AFC. Just do 25 on the Bengals plus 1,200 and win the Super Bowl because why the hell not? There you go. What That's $300 right there for you. Put it in the that old was, pocket. That was some good math right there for you. I like that. Gambling math brain. Like I can't do like a normal math problem, but if it has to do with like football scores or gambling – all of a sudden, I become like Stephen Hawking. I don't know about that. I want to kind of gas you up that much. Maybe more of a uh, – yeah, there it is. Um, that's going to bring us here. We have one game. Let's make our last-minute predictions. We have the New Orleans New Orleans Saints going into Tampa Bay here for the final matchup between these two teams and the AFC South. Marshawn Lattimore is out. Oh, that that's going to be big. But at the same time, yeah, Vandy Dalton again in prime time. Give yeah, but it would have been that Marshawn Lattimore, Mike Evans rivalry is one of the best undercover hatreds in all of sports. It makes you want to take a Mike Evans touchdown and throw heavy on it now. True, because you know he'll score and basically just like stare down New Orleans sideline or something. How he is, he'll score and then he'll pull like a Benny the Bull, the Chicago Bulls mascot, and just fucking start running at somebody and drop them or just you know throw popcorn on them. You know they're going. He's going to do something ridiculous. I think you're right. My last minute prediction is Tam, Tampa Bay having Tom Brady. In the line Tampa is still Bay. at three. Sorry for cutting you off. Ugh. The line is still at three for the record. I don't know. Like you're it. good. I was going to say Tampa Bay is going to win this game. The, I got to imagine the under hits. Is it still 40 ish or so or 42 and a half? I got 40. I got 40 and a half now. 40 and a half. I, th- I think the under is still going to hit. I, it's just these teams don't score. Neither one of them do. Tom Brady passing props has moved from 237 and a half to 269 and a half. 87 of 87% of the bets are on the under. We have Oh, that makes me nervous. 
I know, right? Tom Brady gets a spread in primetime, 03 to 19, 42, 30, and 3 at 58% clip. Over the last now two and a half year or 20, 20 through 22, 2 and 11 against the spread. So I don't really like that at all. But another side bet, hindsight bet, 2020, or the Buccaneers team total is 10 and 1 for the under this year. Damn, like that. And their, and their team total is set at. So good to see you, Wally. Great to see you too. Yeah, man. I hope you're doing really well. Doing great, mm. man. 21 and a half. 21 and a half. Jesus Christ, that's bad. This is this is like a 2017 game written all over, even without Marshawn Lattimore on here. That's actually a perfect score. I think that was the score I predicted the other day. So maybe we're locked in on one. I'm gonna stay away from that. Maybe I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw some large on the uh Bucks money line. While you're making your bets, I'll make my final statements for you guys of the day, and then we're good to go. My Zubaz pants are ripping all over. They're going to have to be replaced. And Christmas is coming up, buddy. Yeah, no kidding. It's just brutal. You never want to see that. The other thing What's is that? depending is on three, – 3X, three 2X, 3X, two three It's. I think these are two, but it's they're flirting on 2X, 3X. It's like on that bridge where I could probably I get think, away. I think they're cut a little bit bigger. So like the two X is almost like a two and a half, three X. And I think that's why they're perfect. I love it. Plus I should mention that too. I'm glad you brought up the X's there. I am doing starting today, a hundred days of 10,000 steps or more. I'll let you guys know how the, the weights go down at the end of that. But that is my commitment and I'm doing it th- even on Christmas. And then my last thing, and then I am done. Thursday, the Raiders play the Rams. There's a 50-50 shot I'm on the podcast. If I am, then I'll probably just be bailing out early to everybody at home. You'll figure that out. But if not, I will see you guys on Monday. It just means that Wally's secretly buying back into the silver and black a little bit more than he should be. As he should. That's going to bring us down to another episode of Loss of Down. Thanks for our sponsors, tabbies.com and abbyturnerphoto.com. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Loss of down and Twitter down underscore loss. Until next time, he is Wally. I'm Steve. Wally, any parting words for the fans? No, apparently the only thing that you need to know is the Bengals win the Super Bowl by a billion, courtesy of Dylan Lukashinsky. That's about all I have. <sighs> what do I have? What do I have? Shout out to shout out to the commentator in the u.s netherlands game not in like not in a good way Uh i don't want to take i don't want to take it away from part of my take but the dude's on the hot seat and if you guys didn't catch it memphis to pay scores the first goal against us right so what does the broadcaster do Uh, he does nothing but kind of fill in a nice personal story about memphis to pay about how his father left him and his mother when he was four years old and that's why he wears memphis on the back of his jersey instead of to pay or to paw excuse me um, he brought that up about three times. Just what the fuck, dude? Just let the guy play soccer. Dude, Sorry, I swear. Let the guy play football. It's the same thing as watching like the NFL draft. It's like as soon as you have to do long periods of time of talking, they're like, I, I got nothing. Talk about a tragedy. What happened terrible in this guy's life? And, oh, yeah, yeah. his mom died last week and his, he watched. He couldn't save her. That's like it's bullshit. It's like, oh, DeAndre Hopkins had a catch. Hurry, hurry. Tell, tell everybody in the world his mom's blind. Like, James okay, Connor down. James Connor, every time he rushes or runs the ball three or four times, it's like an 
like a rule you have to bring up that he beat cancer in college too. But there's just so many of these talking points that once they're established, it's the only thing that you can talk about during these games. It's the only thing. Yeah, and it's fucked. Like it's like, dude, I get it, and I'm not. This is the thing. I do we love the story? Absolutely. But if you're an avid sports fan, especially football, do you know how many times a year? And we're pushing thirty. Do you know how many times a year we've heard that story? To the point where we're desensitized. That we're just assuming that every single NFL player has either had cancer, their parents have left them, or they were homeless at one point. Like, we get it. And we love the story. But stop taking these stories for your own good. Let these people live and get out of the dark shadows that they had to fight out of to fucking play the sport that they love. That's my only argument. No, I. you said it perfectly. It's just like you're minimizing these people to their darkest days. And it's like, not. Man, could you, do you think that James Conner would be running this hard if he didn't have to go through chemotherapy? Actually, yeah. I would argue he'd be running harder because he didn't know what he almost lost. So, yeah, I'd, I'd fucking think he'd be playing well because he's a stud. It's, of course, you'd slide that in there. <laughs> but it's just frustrating because, again, like, let's talk about the great things that these guys have done. Let's talk about other positives in these guys' lives, too. It doesn't have to always be the darkest days of their life that we are bringing up after a three yard run. And it's like the dude, James you... Conner special. A <laughs> uh, hundred and twenty one times. So I'm just going to kind of live off that and pick it well, perfect. 121 times. It probably took them what? 40 carries on. Gotcha. Still 121. So, you, you, we, don't, we don't dog them for, we don't dog them for the Saquon. You we just yeah, dog them. We don't uh, carry shame here. Oh my God. But yeah, that's that's just my parting words. Let these fucking athletes live, right? They go through enough. Their whole lives are publicized. Doesn't mean that we have to talk about the tragedies that got them. Thank you, Dr. Steve. Until next week. You're the best. <laughs> it's seriously fucking... <laughs> <laughs>